This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 758, Flashback, Heroes Return. Welcome to the Comic Shenanigans Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Chapman. This is episode 758. It's our flashback episode to Heroes Reborn. Uh, sorry, Heroes Return. Oh, my God. Uh, it's interesting. So I did do, I've done two flashback episodes that have been similar. Uh, I did episode 416 back in 2016 in October. Oh, my God. That's three and a half years ago. Um, way back, back in the 400s. Man, what a long time ago. Uh, I did a flashback to Marvel, uh, sorry, I flashback Heroes Reborn, The Return, which was specifically talking about the storyline which brought the Marvel characters back from the uh, the Heroes Reborn universe. Uh, so what I wanted to do today was do something a little bit different and talk about what happened once they got back. I've done an episode on Heroes Reborn before, but I haven't really uh, broken down Heroes Return. I just thought I'd kind of do a flashback to kind of what it was like at the time. Um, like, I remember when Heroes Reborn happened, I mean, I was just getting into comics uh, the summer of, um, what was it, uh, Onslaught, which would have been 95, 90... Was that right? Hold on. Am I right? Sometimes I, I think I know what I'm talking about, and sometimes I don't. Um, just trying to remember, when did the, uh, the the big event happen? Sorry, it was 96. I'm throwing things around in my head. So you had Onslaught in 96, that's right, and Operation Zero Tolerance in 97. So 96 is really when I first got into comics, I would say, uh, that kind of summer. Um, I started reading X-Men with uh, regularly buying it on myself at the, the box uh, the box office. Yeah, at the box office. Uh, at the comic book store or the newsstand, wherever I could find it. Uh, I don't think I was exclusively going to a comic book store yet. Uh, but it was not that long after. Um, but um, I w- we went. I remember it was X Men fifty three and Uncanny X Men three thirty two. Those were the ones uh, that I was getting at the time. So I really loved it. I loved what was going on. And then Heroes Reborn happened. And again, I wasn't really going to comic book shops. So I remember my mom picked me up a couple issues of the Iron Man one. I fell in love with it. Loved Iron Man. Um, anyways, then you know. Flash, I was buying that on a regular basis, and then they were coming back to the main Marvel Universe. And so, like, I'm a kid, I'm jaded, I'm sorry, I'm not jaded yet. Um, it's interesting to look back on it and be like, okay, obviously, everyone being pulled out of the Marvel Universe at the time seemed like this cool concept, again, I'm a kid. Uh, but obviously, it was done more for financial re- uh, financial reasons, they were giving it to the Wildstorm guys. Uh, well, sir, sorry, some of the image guys, because you had uh, Jim Lee in his studio, and you had Rob Liefeld in his studio kind of tag-teaming the Heroes Reborn. And then, uh, but now they're, it was all coming to an end with the 13th issue, which will never be reprinted anywhere, uh, which involves Wildstorm characters. Um, and then that was over. Then you had Heroes Reborn, The Return, and then, boom, all the characters are back. Um, and I remember being really excited about this. And I think, I'm, I'm thinking back, and I'll kind of go issue by, or series by series. Now, I will say that when it comes to Iron Man, that was the one I definitely appreciated the most. I loved Iron Man. Um, I just thought it was so cool. And uh, I love the character in, in the Reborn universe. I love that costume, even though it's kind of stupid looking. I always really enjoyed it anyway. I, I, I will not, you know, I will not accept that it was not good. Um, <laughs> I uh, only believe that it was great. Um, but uh, yeah, so it was like that was just it was it was Iron Man was for me. Anyways, then it was relaunched, and I love that relaunch. Now I have gone in depth 
on this uh, particular book before. I've done it with Tim Riley, a friend of the show, in episode 506. So again, like 250 episodes ago. Uh, we talked about Hero's Return uh, the first two years, basically, of the Iron Man run, because uh, it's collected uh, nice and conveniently in the Music and Chen Omnibus, uh, which I really loved. And then we actually con- continued onwards from that uh, in a, another episode. I'm trying to remember what number it was, but uh, we eventually dipped a little bit more into the Hero's Return era uh, for Iron Man when um, uh, Tim and I talked about kind of what came afterwards, which, uh, which was some of my favorite Iron Man stuff at the time. I mean, I didn't have a long bench to pull from, but I remember, again, I was getting really big into Iron Man in the late, 80, late 90s, so uh, there was this one shot that was created called Iron Man The Legend, uh, which I love to this day, because it, it was a nice celebration of everything the character was before Heroes Reborn started. Um, anyways, so uh, if you want to go listen to that, so 506 is where I talk about Iron Man by Kirby Six and Sean Chan with Tim Riley, and then we talk about uh, the Iron Man by Joe Quesada run on the next on the follow follow up episode, which is episode five sixty six, uh, where we talk about uh, the Iron Man run. So I'm, I'm not going to really talk too much about the, that particular part of Heroes Return, um, but it was just, it was a return return to classic status quo, and that's what I always kind of think of for well for the most part with Heroes Return is that it was all about kind of getting the characters back to where they should be in the more classic forms. Because if you remember before Heroes Reborn started, like, you know, Iron Man was a teenager. He was teen Tony. They killed off the adult Tony. So very different. Uh, the Avengers were in their kind of grungy early 90s period. They all had the, they had the leather jackets. It was kind of at times an unrecognizable team. Thor was didn't look at anything like any classic iteration of Thor. His costumes was different. Like, everything was kind of, uh, again, a little bit metal and early 90s. Um, Captain America is probably the only one where... It was, you know, it was still good, um, but they got Cap out of the costume for a little bit and the Man Without a Country storyline, uh, which was really good and really kind of a nice way of kind of understanding more about who Captain America really is um, under the great team of Mark Wade and Adam Kubert. Um, and then you had, I'm trying to think, which, which one am I missing there? Uh, Fantastic Four uh, kind of ended a, a long run by Tom DeFalco and Paul Ryan. And that went through a lot of kind of iterations and it was kind of up and down. Um, I like it, but I think a lot of there's a lot of people who don't. Um, but I will say that I think they took a lot of chances. They wrote out Reed Richards for over two years. Uh, they had different types of adventures. And, um, you know, and I really liked, again, the continuity always felt very important there. So suddenly, you know, all that was kind of put aside and now you're coming back to kind of more classic in theory iterations of the character so for Iron Man you're back to Tony Stark you know is, is an adult uh, he's got a new company Stark Solutions um, you, you know they reintroduce kind of the classic supporting cast of uh, Happy Hogan Pepper Potts who hadn't actually had that much of a role uh, for the years kind of leading up to it. Um, you had uh, Jim Rhodes, is, who had been War Machine, but at this point wasn't really War Machine anymore. Um, so you had a very kind of solid base to kind of move from. And, you know, it was fun adventures of, you know, Tony Stark, and people didn't know that he was Iron Man back when that was a thing. And now it seems so, you know, passe, because it's like, well, why would you do a secret identity? And they've made a fun of, fun of that in the 2008 movie, uh, that it's you know such a ludicrous concept, but that's just the way it was for years, and that there's something really fun about that. Those first two years are, are so strong. I will say that, for me, I think I kind of fell away from the Iron Man book uh, after issue 50. Uh, Mike Grell took over, I think he had Michael Ryan in art, and it just wasn't really for me. I, I didn't really like the art as much. 
Uh, the art had been really stylized when he had uh, Litha Martinez and then a few other artists uh, during the kind of the 40s, um, the issue 40s. And then uh, when issue 50 hit, it was a kind of a, a, it felt like a more square armor design and it was just kind of a different approach to the storytelling and I just didn't really appreciate it at the time. I feel like if I went back now, I'd probably enjoy the Mike Rell stuff, um, but at the time it just wasn't really what I'd been reading for like four years at that point. Uh, so I kind of got off, and I never really came back to Iron Man in quite the same way. And I feel like when I did, it's like I came back for Extremis, which was cool, but a little static in terms of the artwork by Eddie Granoff. And then I kind of didn't read the rest. And then you had um, everything that kind of happened with him becoming Director Shield, and I wasn't really reading that main book, but I was reading Invincible Iron Man by Matt Fraction. So I kind of wavered with Iron Man, and I don't really care for the Iron Man character that much anymore. Much of that is, for better or for worse, because of the iconic portrayal of uh, Tony Stark in the movies by uh, Robert Downey Jr. And I feel that when people try to write the snark, it doesn't come off the same way. And there's just it, it, the character has started... At times, the snark is played up, but they almost make him goofy. And I don't... It's They do the same thing with uh, Deadpool sometimes. Like, I want him to have a sense of humor. I don't want him to be just a goofball. And I feel like that sometimes is where Tony Stark has landed in the last decade or so since Robert Downey Jr. kind of revolutionized the character. There's no going back. There's no enjoying the... I mean, the Iron Man I originally grew up well not really grew up on i was like 15 years old but the one i really loved is a a version of the character that will never exist anymore um you know in terms of the personality and the way he's written so i really like to go back and read the kurt music stuff because again it just feels like this classic celebration of everything that iron man was it wasn't afraid to talk about his alcoholism it wasn't you know it had carol danvers going through a huge piece where she was confronting her own alcoholism and what that meant to her as a character and it was really interesting to kind of see how kurt music was trying to explore it and kind of show the friendship between her and tony as well because he was you know a recovering addict himself um so anyways that's that's iron man i love iron man um, one of my favorites of the Heroes Return era, which I didn't really buy when it was coming out for some reason. I think I just didn't have a lot of money. I was a kid, and uh, so I had to kind of pick my choices. And I look back on it, I'm like, you idiot. How did you miss this fabled run? And I'm talking, of course, about Avengers by Kurt Busiek and uh, George Perez. And it's one of the, my favorite versions of the Avengers. I, For years, I remember when they had the large hardcover collections, I kept kicking myself that I could have bought them all and then they were all gone. And was they eventually get the, uh, I guess, the ultimate collections or complete collections they put out, which ended up making me decide not to get the omnibus that they eventually put out of that run. Um, but there's just something about that run on Avengers that I would happily give that to anybody as a, oh, you want to learn about Avengers? Like, even though it's steeped in continuity and other characters, you know, there's a lot of care given to, exp- I mean, again, it was a different time where writers would explain things and they would also use editor boxes and it all felt in service of the story and, and establishing this grand narrative and there's just something about the power of Perez's pencils and being able to draw as many characters you want in the scene he can do it and Busick understanding the characters on the Avengers and really um, like it's one of my favorite versions of Hawkeye is the version that he was writing that then uh, ended up leaving that book and going into Thunderbolts uh, and then uh, Nisiesa did you know a great rendition of, uh, of Hawkeye as well in that continued Thunderbolts run um, but it's just something magical about it and he used an interesting kind of team um 
that was again as a kid. That was probably my first real uh, interaction with Vision. Like I, he had he was in the Heroes Reborn, but not a lot. And I wasn't reading a lot of that at the time when it first came out. Um, so I didn't really have a huge interaction with the Vision. Um, and I kind of knew the character, but like I really fell in love with the, kind of that rendition, uh, Scarlet, which especially I think he did a lot with. Um, so that Avengers run is just phenomenal. And again, I always look, hold that up as it, again. It's so interesting to me that you have the Heroes Reborn, which is reviled at times because you know the artwork's a little bit artwork is very extreme and very a 90s the storytelling isn't maybe the strongest because it's an over a reliance on the visuals and then you come right from that to let's celebrate these guys being back in the marvel universe and you have kurt Busiek and george Perez doing I, I, what i personally believe is one of the old-time great avengers runs feels very classic even though he uses a lot of non-classic characters cycling in and out in and in during that run you also have alongside it avengers forever which is again one of the best avengers stories uh, it's extremely deep, steeped in continuity. If you love continuity, it is like getting a, a it's like mainlining it. It's like saying, okay, hook me up to this and just give it all to me in one big shot because it's crazy uh, how much continuity is shoved into there. Uh, but it's just, it's just magic. So, I mean, I haven't taught, I don't think I've actually really gone through and done an analysis on the Avengers Assemble books. I would love to at some point. There's just so much there, so much good story. Uh, such a great art. And then at the latter end of uh, Busick's run, you had uh, they kind of switched uh, switched things up. You didn't have Perez anymore. You had Kieran Dyer and a few others. And you did a whole uh, Kang War storyline, which went on for like a long time. But again, is it's very classic Avengers and like kind of the Kree Skrull War kind of idea that it wasn't. It was this big year-long story, but not every chapter necessarily fed directly into it, if that makes sense. Uh, it, I found it quite special um, and something I really very much enjoy. Um, and then when, when that was done, so I, it's interesting, like around what, issue 54 or something, I think, when Busey came off, uh, then the book changed. Uh, you had Jeff Johns and Gary Frank, um, but it, it, you know they, they were on it for a little bit together. And then you had uh, Olivier Coipel doing the Red Zone storyline, which I think looking back, I can appreciate it more. At the time, I was kind of I, I wasn't sure what to make of Coipel's artwork. It was a lot more stylized than what I was used to on the Avengers up until that point. But I think now that I've become such a huge fan of Coipel, I can appreciate it more. Although it is a little bit maybe rougher um, and not as polished as his later material. Uh, but then you had like some weird stuff with like Chuck Austin. You had uh, Hawkeye come to the book, and it just I don't know if it was him, what if it was the writing or if it was the Scott Scott Collins artwork, but I just never really gravitated or enjoyed, you know, the kind of the return to how Hawkeye was being written, which felt so in the face of the Hawkeye that I loved in Thunderbolts. Like, there's a, I can't remember which issue of Thunderbolts it is, but there's a whole sequence where Hawkeye is like just climbing up a, a mountain and he's thinking, and I don't know, it just. That, that's my Hawkeye. That, when I close my eyes, that's the Hawkeye I think of. And as much as I love what Matt, you know, Matt Fraction and, and uh, David Aha did with with the Hawkeye, it's just been. It was just always going to be different. It was always different. It was a, it was a different character. And that character again, ever since that kind of defining storyline, he's never really gone back to the pre Matt Fraction version of Hawkeye. That version of that character forever, or at least for now, is. You know, kind of, kind of like in the Iron Man mode of a little bit silly, kind of hapless, and not the super awesome put together guy that he was under Kurt Busiek and Fabian Nessiasen. Uh, so that was Avengers, and and, and Avengers, eventually it kind of led up to Avengers Disassembled, and then everything kind of changed for the Avengers Forever, and the way in which Avengers books were probably handled was changed forever as well. Uh, four is another one where you can actually listen to two very long episodes about. Uh, you can check out episode 648 of my podcast, as well as episode 698, uh, where we did a, a spotlight on Thor Heroes Return Omnibus Volume 1. Um, so we talked 
talked about, I'm trying to remember, I think it goes up to issue 34 or something of uh, that particular run. Uh, actually, in a couple of weeks, I'm going to be sitting down to start doing the uh, Thor Heroes Return on the Volume 2 spotlight, uh, looking at the rest of that. So that's kind of covering, again, a very classic true-to-form. You had a classic Thor costume was back. Um, they kind of went, Dan Jurgens kind of revisited the kind of core concept of when Thor was first happening, where you had kind of a, a split identity. So you had him uh, in the mortal form of Jake Olson, uh, which was played around with for a couple of years. Uh, you had the stories with Thanos and, you know, new, these new uh, dark gods. Uh, and then it kind of pivoted and they killed off, well, sorry, spoiler, but uh, they killed off Odin and had Thor ascend to the, you know, being the new uh, old father or high father, whatever you want to call it. Old father, high father is definitely not, that's fourth world, right? Um, and it kind of changed that character for years. Uh, they went in a very specific direction and then it was kind of quickly had course correction. You had Ragnarok. And then after issue, what, like 81 or so? And then, boom, he was dead for years. Um, but again, this was, if you look at where Thor was right before his return started, you know, he wasn't really recognizable. He was wearing, like, he was shirtless with, like, just some pants some pants still flowing around the, the hammer but you know he didn't feel the same he didn't look the same he didn't really have the trappings he had weird costumes with like leather straps everywhere but this was a return to like classic you know jack kirby d- design you had john Romita jr for the for, for most of the first two years uh very classic you know big feeling uh it felt like classic marvel thor um, which again, I guess that was kind of the point is that this whole thing was about, let's go back to the, you know, the classics. You can sprinkle in some new stuff like they did with, you know, the Avengers ha- adding justice and, uh, Firestar. And I always liked the idea that they were kind of being elevated or promoted to the next step. I mean, that was in and around the, the era when Cannonball finally got elevated from X-Force, which is previously the new mutants to joining the X-Men proper. So I always liked that kind of idea that you'd have people kind of graduate through levels. So I always liked that with, uh, justice and Firestar. So, so far, that's what iron man uh iron man avengers thor so what do i got left captain america so that's a, one of the more interesting ones in a lot of ways because uh it was so good and very kind of very starting to feel very classic cap and then they sent him off to liefeld land and so he comes back and they bring back the same creative team and so now you have mark wade and adam kubert and you know they're on there for what maybe well for adam kubert Sorry, not Adam Kubert. What am I saying? Ron Gurney. And Ron Gurney, and actually I think I said it wrong before. It was uh, it was Ron Gurney with uh, Mark Wade, not... So I'm not going to go back and edit it, but, you know, just kick me, you know, shake your fist at me for getting it wrong. Uh, Ron Gurney was only there for, I think, four or five issues, and then he then he left. And then you had Dale Eaglesham, eventually you had Andy Kubert working on the book. Um, and I, again, very big, fun, bright, exciting ideas. The first seven issues are really strong about the idea of Cap Mania and with the American Dream. Uh, eventually, when they bring back uh, the Red Skull, like that's some really harrowing stuff as well. Eventually, you would have Dan Jurgens come on the book, and it definitely takes a different tone. Uh, but they have like the idea of like kind of the anti Captain America, you have the proto side character. Um, but again, very much a, a return to kind of classic form in terms of Cap. Uh, telling, you know, I would say, especially in the, the first seven issues, like telling some deep, thoughtful stories about what it meant to be Sentinel Liberty, to be, you know, the Captain America in the Marvel Universe, the responsibility of that, what it really meant. Um, so that's always been something I enjoyed. The last one I'll talk about, probably the least successful, I guess, 
which is a little unfair in some ways, because uh, I think it took bigger swings to do something a little bit different, is you had Fantastic Four. Um, and now, when it first came back, I'm trying to remember exactly that chronology. I believe it was Scott Lobdell and Alan Davis, I think, were on there for a couple issues. Um, and then you had Chris Claremont come on, and you had Salvador La Roca. Now, I will say, with regards to Salvador La Roca, it is maybe my favorite artistic period from Sal, uh, that an Extreme X-Men. Um, he, his style has ta- taken on a lot of changes over the years and a little bit more realism in terms of the faces and a little less maybe cartoony and classic comic books but I actually think that that kind of works against him uh, now if he's doing like a book like Star Wars that's one thing but um, when he was working on Fantastic Four I always just found it to be so full of life and uh, I just loved his take on the characters. At the time, you had Art Thibert on inks. You had uh, Liquid doing the colors, and I loved Liquid on the colors. I mean, it's very different colors than today, but it was starting to feel more vibrant and exciting. Um, now, I should actually go back for a second and say that uh, in terms of how all this has been collected. So, so, so far, uh, the Iron Man one, has, as I said, has an omnibus. There's another omnibus coming out, which basically bridges the gap between uh, issues 26 and 50, so it covers all of that which a lot of was already in an Iron Man by Joe Quesada uh, trade paperback, so I'm a little annoyed by that. And, and Plus, I was always kind of thinking that I would eventually want to own the Iron Man return trade paperback, um, which I believe that they put together, or maybe I'm just crazy. No, they did do one. Um, there was an Iron Man Heroes, Re- Heroes Return, the complete collection, uh, so they have that. But then... They haven't done a volume two. I'm not sure if they will. And do I want to replace my omnibus? I'm really kind of torn and about what to do about that. At the same time, as I said, you have um, Captain America. You have an omnibus collecting the Mark Wade material, uh, and, and which is fantastic. But you don't have a complete collection or, or so, any soft cover options, which is kind of unfortunate because that'd be nice to be able to have um, the omnibus in particular. It not, doesn't just obviously have the Heroes Return stuff. Um, you have the you know 23 issues of Heroes Return, but you also have you know the 11 issues that came prior to Heroes Reborn, which is kind of nice as well to kind of be able to have all of Mark Wade's kind of material. Um, but it just always it was just always stuck out to me that that felt like something that was that I was missing. Um, that you don't have it in trade paperback, and I wish they did because I, I don't know about having it in omnibus. I, I just although I guess you're getting everything all in one spot, so it's not a bad idea because the omnibus also includes twelve issues of Captain America: Sentinel of Liberty, which was the uh, the the secondary Captain America book. Yeah, he used to have two books at the same time uh, back during the nineties. And then um, what else we got? Avengers, through multiple formats. You can have it in Omnibus, uh, the out-of-print oversized hardcovers, or the the uh, Avengers Assemble Complete Collections, which I very much enjoy having the entire run there, although it does not include uh, um, Avengers Forever. You have to get that separately, or it's in the Omnibus. Um, and then uh, Thor, uh, as I said, it's not, it's not in... Um, and soft cover, it's just in these giant omnibuses. But two omnibuses collects the entire, which is kind of crazy that you know we're getting another Iron Man, uh, you know, omnibus, and between the two of them, it gets to issue fifty. And yet, if you pick up the Thor omnibuses, you get like what eighty issues in two volumes. Uh, they are much larger. Um, yeah, the the second volume in particular has issues eighty five to thirty six, um, which you know that's. 50 issues and plus there's like a double shot and like two tie-ins from somewhere else and one annual so there's not a lot of kind of extra material aside from the main issues but that is that is that's some beef 
Um, whereas you know the, the mask and the Iron Man omnibus, which uh, I guess is already out, um, came out at the end of December, has issues twenty six to forty nine. It's a pedestrian six hundred and eighty eight pages versus that uh, Thor omnibus I mentioned is thirteen hundred and four. Holy fuck! How do you even how do you even put that on your underneath? So how do you read that? I don't even know. Um, and then Fantastic Four. They have no omnibus for that, and you just have the Heroes Return Complete Collections, which I enjoy. And I actually just picked up issue two, uh, sorry, volume two, the other day, which is part of what prompted me to kind of have this conversation. Um, the the Fantastic Four stuff is probably the most, as I said, maybe not the most warmly received. Uh, the first issue, few issues are definitely fun. You got like the Red Ghost. You have um, you know the FF having a new. Um, uh, place of operations because Thunderbolts at the time were in their their old headquarters. Uh, so at, I think that there was a Pier Four, I think it was called. Um, but you know, it, when Claremont came on, he told a lot of you know stories with like the, the I think the Captain Britain Corps was involved. Like there was a lot of you know more complicated stuff than maybe it needed to be. It wasn't straightforward adventure. Sometimes it was very Claremontian. Uh, but I. I think with I actually kind of like the FF uh, when he did it. I think a big part of it uh, is the artwork by um, Salvador La Roca, which had a lot of energy and fun to it. Again, the colors were amazing. It really kept everything alive. Um, there's some crazy stuff that they definitely do here. Uh, you have a whole kind of idea that um, a big battle happens between Doctor Doom and... Um, uh, Reed Richards, and then in, in the aftermath, it looks like only Doctor Doom has survived, and then he is going to you know, marry Invisible Woman, and it turns out that it's actually Reed is stuck inside the armor, and you know, crazy stuff, um, but enjoyable. And it's interesting. I'm, I'm curious if we'll get a volume three because you know, once Claremont leaves, which I believe is issue thirty-two, which is in here, I'm just curious if they would, you know, there's not a, a consistent creative team right afterwards. Um, there's, I'm trying to remember, there used to be a, a tree paperback called Flesh and Stone, I believe, um, which kind of covered some of that period. But, you know, you're, you're getting, you know, not a consistent creative team really until issue 58, um, which is when the Mark Wade stuff kicks in. But I do hope they come up with a, you know, a volume three of this to kind of uh, make up the difference between, I mean, there's still 26 issues, which is on the higher end. You're not going to see that usually in a complete collection. I mean, this complete collection has, uh, what, 16, 17, like 18 issues. So it would take two more complete collections to really have the rest. And I'm not really sure if they would ever do that uh, or if they go so far as to really kind of you know, cover it all. I hope that they would, but you know, it's it's you know, I, I get why they wouldn't. It's so much material; it probably wouldn't make sense to put it all together. Um, but I would very much like if that if that happened. Um, yeah, it's it, it's a, it's an interesting period. I, I think it kind of gets shit on more than it deserves. Um, is it the best run of Fantastic Four? No, but it had some fun to it, and again, had some fun uh, characters that were introduced. Um, again, I like that that they had a different. Um, uh, head of operations. You had Willie Lumpkins. What was a daughter, uh, niece? I can't even remember. Granddaughter, like very young looking. I can't really remember uh, what it was. But uh, I'm just actually checking right now to see when Claremont leaves the book because it looks like, um, yeah, he still he did issue 32, issue 33 of Fantastic Four. Um, let's see, who was it by? Uh, John Francis Moore or John Moore. So you had, again, a bit of a bridge gap. And then uh, you had, uh, later on, you had Pacheco coming on. And it looks like, I guess, those going to be plotted by Marin and scripted by Jeff Loeb, which I don't even remember that. Like, it was, again, a, kind of a weird period. I don't think it was a high point for the FF in terms of how it was selling. Uh, you had a bunch of kind of uh, shorter stories. You had three-part stories by Adam Warren and Kieran Grant. Um, and then you, as I said... 
I was wrong. Uh, the beginning of the uh, Mark Wade Mike Ringo run wasn't till Fantastic Four sixty. Um, but uh, you know, so again, that's still like twenty eight issues that are kind of orphaned now that are not really collected anywhere else. And I do hope in the, that they eventually get collected and are put somewhere. So that was a, just a, a brief kind of walk through memory lane in terms of uh, Heroes Return. Uh, if I had to kind of rank my favorites, oof, that's that's rough. Um, I mean, I feel like, uh, unfortunately, as I said, Fantastic Four is kind of the run to the litter, um, just because the others are so good. Like, all those titles were enjoyable, especially in, like, the first year. Like, I'd probably put Iron Man and, and uh, Avengers kind of neck and neck, um, maybe tie them, because I can't really choose. Um, and then I think, you know, Thor and Captain America both have a lot to bring to the table as well. I'd almost have them tied for, for third. Um, and then, again, leaving Fantastic Four kind of at the bottom. Uh, Thor didn't even happen right away. Uh, it wasn't part of the initial spate of, um, of Heroes Return titles. It happened a little bit more delayed. I, I feel like it wasn't that delayed, though. I, I'm trying to remember how, like how many... How many... I'm trying to think. I think it was only a few months. Um, but that, that was big, too, because, again, Thor hadn't had a title. You had Journey into the Mystery, and he was just gone because he was in the other universe, so you had you know, other characters taking on the mantle of kind of being the lead character in Journey into Mystery. And now you had, finally, Thor coming back, so... Anyways, thanks for listening to this episode as I prattled on about Heroes Return. You can email me at comicshenanigans at gmail.com, like the show on Facebook, rate it and review us on iTunes, subscribe to us on iTunes, also listen to us on Stitcher. Got some good stuff hopefully coming up in uh, April. Uh, Scott Dunbeer from IDW will be on the show to talk about collected, uh, sorry, uh, the IDW artist editions, amongst many other things. Uh, we're still working on having Judd Winnick come back to the show, which I'm really excited about, to talk about the newest uh, edition of Owly and also to, uh, not Owly, Hilo. Um, I'm also working on having the creator of Owly, uh, Andy Renton, on the show, and hopefully that'll happen at some some point over the next couple of months. And uh, yeah, good stuff to look forward to. Thanks for listening to this episode of Comic Shenanigans, and we will catch you next time. Bye bye.